I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. How are you doing, guys? Trying here. This is the Digger Dads Pure Shy Podcast. Shane's over there. This one is episode number 15. Could you imagine that? We've done 15 episodes of this thing. It's in the class, isn't it? I didn't even think we were going to do five, like. I know, I know. And um, they're only getting more popular. The last um, three or four in particular are getting quite popular. A lot of people are watching them while listening to them. And um, for those who haven't listened from the start, go back and listen from the start and you'll pick up on all the stories and you'll get to know me a little bit more and who I am and where I've come from and you'll get to know a little bit more about Ryan, hey. And we're the same person. Just shut up, will ya? Sorry about that. So how are you getting on anyway, laddie, all right? Are you? Going good now, going good. I've uh, been off work now for a few days and just um, literally just dropped the young fella off at daycare there. Uh, we had a couple of things going on this morning and I dropped them off and um, yeah, I'm going to finish off and do an episode of this podcast and do some stuff about the house and I imagine I'll be back to work uh, tomorrow. Hopefully I'm on day shift tomorrow because I was on night shift last week and I don't want to do two weeks in a row if I can help it. So you're getting on grand at the job, you are. Ah yeah, that's going right, you know. It's like everything, it's got its ups and it's got its downs, like you know, there's there's no real schedule with what we do, you know, you just kind of get in and get it done and the 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 fellow I work for, he's pure sound, like, pure sound, but there's just no schedule at all. You have no idea from one week to the next where you're going to be, what you're going to be doing, who you're going to be working with, you know, and it's just one of those things. It's the only thing about the job that I don't really like, everything else. The job itself is fucking easy. It's nearly too easy for me, but I'm getting paid more with this company than I've ever paid before, so it's working out in that sense. And I've also got the liberties of the fact that there's no schedule, kind of creating my own schedule so every second Monday and Tuesday I'll tell him look I have to have those Monday and Tuesdays off because appointments and stuff with the young fellow with his autism he needs to go and see an OT and a speech pathologist and stuff like that and we have them on the same day uh, in around the same time one after another we used to have it where um, we'd have the OT in the morning and then the speech pathologist in the afternoon but it just wasn't working out and I was just too tired 
towards the end of the day when we were going to go and see that uh, speech pathologist. So um, we actually got referred to a speech pathologist that's in the same centre as the OT and it's literally back to back. So he does OT for 45 minutes and then straight away after he does speech for 45 minutes. And it's working good. It's working out good so far. So I've got some questions about being a parent because I haven't done it yet. I haven't done it yet. And I'll be interested to know what you think. So what's the hardest thing about being a dad? Oh, fuck. Um, you, you you definitely have good days and bad days, for sure. Um, I'd say now that the hardest part for me is not being able to, to switch off when you need to. You know, you have a, a, a terrible day at work or you're having a shite day at home with the young fella and he's all of a sudden turned into a demon as well. Y- you can't switch off. Like You can't just turn around and go, well, look, you can sort yourself out, child. I'm going for a drive. You can't do that. You have to stay and just get on with it and get through it. And God, some days can feel like years. I swear, I've had days here with him where I just thought, if this day surely doesn't end soon, I'm I'm going to be in a mental home, you know. Now, it, it very rarely happens. He's a good lad. He's a good kid. You know, he's usually quite very happy, very playful, you know. And it's just um, sometimes a day will arise where it's like, everyone can just fuck off. Everyone can just go and fuck off you know but like I said it's very rare that happens and it, when it does I, I reckon that's probably the hardest thing for me now yeah I suppose so so um your, your wife then like she goes to work and stuff and then you go to work and then you'll have a couple of days off to do the appointments in that yeah that's how it works yeah okay so that's that's the hardest part what's the best part like what's what's the most enjoyable bit now? I, I'd say um the hugs the hugs are good. Just his little character. He's just a little character. Everywhere he goes, anyone that interacts with him, they'll tell you the same thing. He's just a little character. The only thing I will say is he's very um, he's very daddy lately. You know, Everton, daddy's turn, daddy do this, daddy's doing that. You know, I have to, I have to be in the bath. Well, not in the bath, but in the bathroom with him when he's having a bath. Like last night now, we tried to... Cause my wife had a shower early while I was doing the dinner and stuff like that. And I think I was editing last week's podcast or something. And, um, yeah, he was going to go for a bath and then I needed to have my shower. So I said to herself, you can sit with him while he's in the bath and I'll go and have my shower so we can have our time in the evening. And it's not restricted by me having a shower. You know, this is how we do things. But he wouldn't hear tell of it. Wouldn't hear tell of it. Daddy needs to sit in the bath. He kept telling her to go for a shower even though she had a shower, because that's just what he's used to. And yeah, he's just in this phase now where daddy has to do everything and daddy has to put him in bed, daddy has to put on his pyjamas, mammy stop, mammy leave it, mammy stop, daddy's turn, you know, and that in itself can be draining too, because again, you can't separate yourself, even when your wife is here. You know, sometimes I just go, fuck it, I'm, I'm just going for a shower now, or fuck it, I'm just going to the gym or whatever. And you deal with it, because I've had enough, you know, but... He's relatively a good kid and, you know, very, very funny lad. Very funny lad. And he loves to play um, just an out-and-out character everywhere he goes. The OT loves him. The speech woman loves him. They love him at daycare. As soon as you walk in with him, all the kids are going, Niall's here. It's class. <laughs> you know, he's he's a good kid, but it is tough, lads. For those of you that haven't got them and think you're fucking ready for kids, it's not easy. Yeah, I'm not going to rush into it now at all, no. I'll keep wearing the Johnnies for sure, for sure. 
And um, yeah, so your your ma, she had a few kids then. Yeah, sure, she had five of us. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know she fucking did it. Fair play to her. There was um, there's three years between me and the oldest brother, and then there's a year between myself and the two after me, and then there's a nine year stint between my sister and the youngest fella. So she had her hands full there for a while. I remember um, because my brother Liam he turned eighteen a few days ago. A few days ago he turned eighteen and. On his 18th birthday, he, he woke up with the chicken pox. And the lad, when, when he was a baby, my mother had him in every house she knew the chicken pox was. Do you think he catched him? No. Not a fucking thing. So he got the chicken pox when he was 18. Yeah. <laughs> a poor bastard. On his fucking 18th birthday and he fucking clawing at himself rather than fucking throwing a pint back. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, oh, fuck's sake. Poor lad. Is he all right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's great. I just say he'd be a whore like that'd be a whore for toss. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh poor fucker. I sent him a few pounds there so he could have a few pints whenever the fucking stuff uh, clears away from him. But yeah, me ma she um she woke up one I think it was one Christmas morning or one uh Christmas Eve morning and the four of us at the time were covered head to toe in chicken pox. On Christmas? Yeah. Oh fuck's sake, lad. Yeah, I know she had a whore of a time with that, eh? And did you ever get like sick with that nails then? Uh, I used to get woeful uh, tonsillitis as a child. I, I'm fucking certain the second day of every month, my mother could say this, and she's probably nodding now and going, fucking right. The second day of every month, I'd get a belt of tonsillitis. Yeah, right. Oh, I was a whore. And you got the mountain? I did, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I got the appendix up as well. I remember um, with the appendix, actually, because um, I woke up one morning and I had this pain on the right hand side of me me body like but I wasn't like in agony but it was uncomfortable to move and I remember saying it to my ma and showing her where it was and she freaked out she was panicking like fuck she was like fuck get in the car we have to go to the doctor that could be your appendix could be your appendix and I'm in the car and she's driving towards Turles Pass because we used to go to the doctor in Turles Pass there and we're going along the Turles Pass road that's a whore of a road Jesus Christ if you hear a pothole in that road you're losing the car that's it and we're driving along and she kept looking at me going, couldn't be your appendix. Like you, you'd be fucking, you'd be lying across the back of that fucking car screaming at me if it was your appendix. I said, I don't know, don't know what it is, but it's fucking killing me. And got to the doctor anyway and she had a look and she had a bit of a feel and she said, Jesus, get that lad into Tullamore fairly quick. He'll have to have them removed. They're, they're fairly inflamed now. You got your appendix out? Yeah. How old were you? Oh, God. Uh, the appendix, I think I was 11. Yeah, I think I was in primary school. I got the appendix out. I got the tonsils out when I was in secondary school. I think I was in second year, so that would have made me... I would have been 13, going on 14, when I got the tonsils out. But the appendix, no, just that was an awful doing. I remember getting them out, and uh, I think I might have said this before. The, the day or so after I got them out, I had to stay in the hospital, you see. And I was walking to the toilet, and I was walking like a 90-year-old man just hunched over in absolute pain where they'd cut me open like. And this fucking big fat fuck of a nurse, God forgive me, she stood in behind me and she grabbed me and she straightened me right up. And she said, straighten your back when you're walking. Well, I cried with the pain. I cried with the pain. But I do remember there was a young fella beside me in the children's ward and he'd broken his leg. And I thought to myself, God... He has it woeful bad. Because he had to fucking piss into one of those, um, uh, what do you call them, the jugs. 
Yeah, the jokes. <laughs> the, yeah, the medical fucking bottles. Yeah, the jokes. Yeah, I've seen toys. Yeah, he had to piss and he would have had to shite in a ball. Lads, one of those um, yeah, steel ones. Jesus, lad, you know so much about this. Hey, I, I've seen him. I've seen him. God, you're lucky. You were able to walk to the toilet. Oh, fuck, lad. I remember, like, because he'd call out to go to the toilet and then they'd draw the curtains and, and like, poor bastard, like. And he would have broken leg. The leg is absolutely in the sky, hanging out of this fucking stirrup. And this poor bastard has to fucking piss into this thing or have a shite into a fucking steel tray. <laughs> oh, I think his name was Patrick, if I can remember. Could be wrong. I'm pretty sure it was Patrick. Nice lad. Lovely lad. Yeah, so you got your tonsils out and you got the appendix out. Fucking hell, lad. You've been under the knife a few times, hey? Yeah, I remember I had a, an abscess on my leg one time too. I had to get fucking opened up. Oh, fuck. Oh, that was, Jesus, awful. An awful pain that was. Um, the appendix now were sore. Getting the tonsillitis every every month was sore. But Jesus Christ, having an abscess. Because it'll, it'll come up like in the crease of your leg. Like in where your knee is. It could come up in your groin area. And all these awkward spots in your in your underarm. You know, anywhere it can just fucking fester. And the fucking pain of the bastard thing. And then you have to get it dressed and changed and stuff. And sure, that in itself is painful too. Oh, fuck. And sure, then you went and got wisdom teeth. And you were a whore. You were in the hospitals all the fucking time, you bastard. Oh, the, the worst one now, the scariest one, I'll tell you. I, uh, I had a seizure one time. Yeah, I was... um. I was living back home, um, I think I was, just I would have been 18, 17, 18, yeah, and I remember I was doing this um, work experience thing, uh, there was a woman, her name was Mary Lynch, and she did this thing, a course, for people around the town that were, weren't working or looking for jobs and stuff, to try and um, upskill them, like, sort out your CV and all this kind of stuff, you know, it was good, good to get me out of the house as well, and... Um, she um she had set up this thing where we'd go to a, a music studio and um have a look at what goes on there and even just record our own thing, you know. And I remember we were there, we went there a couple of times before the seizure actually happened. And we were there with your man Dave and there was about six or seven of us. And we'd come up with this uh, song and it was actually Bruno Mars's Locked Out of Heaven. Alright, which one is that? Never had much faith in love or miracles. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, that that was the one. And there was a fella there. He was a rapping. He was a rapper fella, and he made up his own rap to, along with it. I did like the verses and the chorus, and then he came in with his rap and stuff. And there was girls there that were doing harmonies, and you know all this kind of stuff. We we're all just putting together this thing. And then the day of the recording, we went in and um, we took turns. So I go up first and do my bit. And then the rapper fella come up and do his bit. And then the girls come in and do their harmonies. And then you just kind of blend it all together on the, the computers and through the software and all that kind of shit, you know. Oh, yeah, high-tech stuff. Oh, lad, you want to see the setup? Just the whole wall was just uh, right to left full of fucking buttons and knobs and fucking... <laughs> knobs. <laughs> it's true, the fucking thing was class. Anyway, I'm there singing. Now, there's a fella in the room. His name is Jerry. And uh, Jerry has since passed away, but... Only for Jerry on that day, God rest him, I, I probably would have had a broken face. Because what happened was, I'd finished doing me bit. So I'd done all me singing, done all that, and I'd finished it. And then, uh, apparently, I don't remember this bit, but apparently, uh, your man Dave asked me how I thought it went. 
And I was talking to him saying, oh, yeah, it sounded all right. I could have done this a bit different. I could have done that a bit different, you know. And Jerry said to me afterwards, after I'd come to and everything was all right, that my speech started to slur. And the whole side of me, fa- one side of my face just started to droop. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And then he noticed me starting to lean forward. So he quickly reacted, jumped up off his chair, quickly reacted, grabbed me and just lay me down on the floor. He knew exactly what to do. And he lay me down on the ground. And apparently I was like a fish out of water, just flapping up and down on the ground, just having a a fit like. Jesus, fuck that. I remember I woke up then. I remember waking up and I woke up and I was sat in this chair and there was this big, muscular, bald ambulance fella, paramedic, you know. And he's standing in front of me. He goes, there you are. I said, how's it going? He said, you all right? I said, I'm grand. He said, you sure? I said, yeah. What happened? He said, oh, you've just had a seizure. I said, no, I didn't. He said, you did. You did, yeah. He said, did you bite your tongue? I said, no, no, not at all. And he said, show me your mouth. Open up. I opened up my mouth and he went, oh, <laughs> lovely. And I went, what? And he was able to fit his finger in, in through my tongue. I'd bitten, sorry now for anyone that's squeamish here, but I'd bitten a hole that big in my tongue to stop my tongue from going down my throat when I was having the seizure, where he could fit his finger up through my tongue. And once he'd pointed it out, you want to feel that pain come in. Oh, good Christ. But the most frightening part was, I didn't know anyone. In that space of time, I'd say I was, I'd say a 20 minute window where I did not know anyone. Because the woman Mary was stood there, Jerry was stood there, everyone was worried, scared, you know. And um, the paramedic looked at me and then looked at Mary and said, who's this woman here? And I looked and I said, I've no idea. And Mary was like, what? I said, no idea who she is. And then Mary looked at the paramedic, of course, worried, going, God, is he going to be all right? And your man said, yeah, I think he should be fine. It's just his brain is just uh, trying to come back, trying to come back to where it was. And um, they carried me downstairs on a stretcher thing. And I remember going past some of the people that was there. I remember there was a fellow called Keith Dunn was there. I couldn't even tell them who he was or who any of the people were. They were asking me as we're going by, who's that person? I said, I don't know, no idea. They asked me who I was, couldn't tell them who I was. I couldn't even tell them me fucking date of birth, what day it was, what year it was. Jesus Christ, lad. You were like a vegetable. I completely lost memory of everything, of fucking everything. And then we're sat in the ambulance and, um, well, I'm lying on the fucking stretcher. First time I've ever been inside an ambulance. I'm lying on this stretcher and Mary's there and they're hooking me up to monitors and stuff. 
And it's only then that my memory started coming back. Because they said to me, oh, kept, kept asking me constantly, what's your name? I said, I don't know. What's your name? I don't know. And then there was one time they asked me and I said, oh, I'm Shane. And they're like, oh, okay, how old are you? I told them I would have been 17 or 18, whatever it was. And they said, okay, so who's this woman? Now, it took me a few minutes to get uh, get Mary's name out. But I, I looked at them, I said, I know who she is. I fucking know this woman. But I just can't tell you her name. I can't tell you her name. I know who she is. She runs the work program. I know who she is. I just can't tell you her name. And then all of a sudden, I just went, oh, that's Mary. And the, just the relief on Mary's face alone was enough. Then uh, we were rushed into hospital, uh, straight into Tullamore from Dangan, like. And sure, my mother, she was rang as well. And someone rang her and said what was going on and told her that we're on the way into Tullamore. And sure, she fucking, she would have broke every speed limit and drove over every cyclist on the fucking road to get there and bet the head off anyone that stood in her way going in the fucking door. Sure, she was a nervous wreck when she saw me. And um, she was wondering what happened, what was wrong, you know, and they couldn't tell us anything. There was nothing, nothing on any scans or nothing. I had every scan known to man to try and figure out why the fuck I had had this fit. A, a significant fucking event, like. It's not like I just got dizzy and fainted. I had a full-blown fucking fit. Apparently, I was minutes, three or four minutes on the ground, flapping about like a fish, you know? That's that's a big deal, like. And they, they couldn't find that wrong. Like, they, they couldn't diagnose me epileptic or like that because I hadn't had one before and I've never had one again. I, I couldn't even feel it coming on. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't even know what had happened. And yeah, like I said, there was nothing on any scans or anything like that. They kept me in overnight just to observe me and stuff. Sent me home the next day and said, if it happens again, come back in. It's like, <laughs> I'm hardly going to go and play football if it happens again. Surely the fuck is no, I'm going to be back in here. So it never happened again. No, no, never. I remember the day before that, uh, myself, I was with a one from back home. Myself, her and uh, John, Thomas, James. And then Thomas was with a different one that he's with, than he's with now. Back home, we were all up on Crotton Hill. And we were running around. There's like an obstacle course thing on Crotton Hill. It's called the Crotton Hill Challenge. And we were up there hanging around there during the day, jumping into the water and all that kind of stuff. And I don't know, something could have something could have got at me there. I don't know. They were putting it down to the fact that I was in this environment that I was really uh, unfamiliar with. But at the same time, I was ecstatic about being in this recording studio. But when I was in there... There was no, I, I never had this uh, sense of complete excitement. Like there was no like, rush of, oh my God, this is class. It just felt normal. It just felt like it was something I was going to do. I'd been part of singing stuff before. I'd done singing before. It just felt like it was natural. But the, the doctors and nurses were kind of putting it down to the fact that my brain was probably really stimulated and then just decided to go, yeah, sleep time. And... Yeah, fell to the ground, had a fit. But fair play to fucking Jerry, hey. He died, he's dead now, but... God, only for him. Only for him. And did, did you end up making the song? Yeah, the song was made, yeah. I literally just finished doing what I had to do and told... Uh, I was chatting to your man, David, about how it went, and he said, yeah, it was great, fair play to you. That'll work. And we're just chatting, and then, and yeah, I just went to the ground, and yeah, the, the song got done. Why is it on Amazon? No, it's not... <laughs> It's not out anywhere at all, no. No, I was only an old fucking basic, basic setup of a thing, but it was good. But yeah, that was, um, that was an eventful fucking day. Scary times too, like, 
you wake up and you're told you're after having a seizure, lad, <laughs> and you can't you can't remember who you fucking are. This is a part of the podcast where I ask Ryan his five quick fire questions, and he needs to give me five quick fire answers. Are you ready? Uh, yeah, have you got some? Yeah, have them here. All right, go on. Do you enjoy alcohol? Oh fuck yeah! What are your plans for the weekend? Ha, huh, alcohol. Have you ever washed utensils with your hands? I'm hardly going to wash them with my fucking feet now. Do you think earning money is tough? Oh, it's hard to get up in the mornings for work, for sure, yeah. What is your kryptonite? Oh, I don't like that Bitcoin stuff, no. <laughs> it's got nothing to do with fucking Bitcoin. <laughs> hey, this is a part of the podcast where I read out an extract from my copy. How many of them do you have? Oh, it's full. It's full. Absolutely chocker blocks. Right, go on. So my ma found this under my bed, lad. Yeah, we know. Yeah, and she said, I know. She said, if you want to keep that, you keep it. If not, put it in the bin. Now, bring down your clothes for the wash. Dear copy, 290. I had my first driving lesson today. It was fucking scary, lad. My ma screamed at me the whole time and called me a jazzed lunatic. I left the wing mirror above on Gorman's gate. And that was a huge deal, apparently. How am I going to park the car in Aldi now, you gumshy? She roared at me, causing me to swerve and leaving that poor cyclist in a bad way. I don't think my ma is the right teacher for me. Anyway, I glued the small bathroom mirror to the car. It seems to be working fine now. Jackhammer, out. You lost the wing mirror. Ah, oh, straight up onto Gorman's gate, that thing went. Oh, Jesus Christ, made bits of it. And she wasn't happy. No? I'd say if she took the wooden spoon out of the handbag now, there'd be bits of me everywhere. She would have bet the shy out of me, I'd say. Yeah, it's tough. Um, the old driving lessons are tough, you know. It's daunting on the person that's learning how to drive because you've never done it before and you're behind the wheel of a car that could do some fucking serious damage. And then I can only imagine it's fucking terrifying for the poor bastard that's having to teach you because you don't know what the fuck you're doing and you could very easily cause some serious damage. So it's, um, it's nerve-wracking for everybody. But I don't think parents are... Great at teaching people how to drive cars. No, no, I wouldn't have me ma teach me no anymore, I'd say. But come here, there was a fella who taught you. What was his name? Um, a fella that actually taught me how to drive that didn't give me my actual written lessons was a fella called Huey Hand. He was my ex's father. He died last year, late last year, in around October and September, October. Um, lovely man, very good to me, treated me like his own, you know. Very patient man when it comes to that sort of stuff too. You know, I never give out to you. Never make you feel uncomfortable or uh, like let her roar at you if you were to swerve and nearly hit under a car. Like just savage patience the lad had. And yeah, he taught me how to drive. And then, of course, with um, with getting the full license and stuff, you have to do the 12 lessons. Yeah, it has to be like a registered fella. You can't just have someone that writes them off for you. Well, I suppose if you know someone that would do that and is qualified to do that, they would, but... I had to get the, the lessons. And I did it with a, a, a crowd called uh, Bravehearts. Oh, yeah, that's him. Um, Nishi. Yeah, Nishi Hart, yeah. Yeah, uh, he was sound. He was sound. We went into Tullamore and, you know, we're, first time driving Tullamore. Yeah, yeah. That would have been scary, I'd say. I was, uh, it was weird enough now driving down through the main street, you know. I'm used to walking down through the main street, so I was kind of aiming for the footpath <laughs> a little bit too much. But, um, yeah, I was only 17 or, yeah, whatever. 
might have been a yard load to drive back there. Is it 17 or 18? I think it's 17. Yeah, it would have been 17. And yeah, you have to do the 12 lessons. But then I went to London, you see, um, just just before I was going to do the license. So I did about six six or seven lessons. And then Nishi was like, oh, I'll just write you off for the rest of them. You're grand. And then the job came up in London and I took myself over there and completely forgot to do the, well, not that I forgot, but I ran out of time and I didn't have the, the means to do it. But I ended up doing the driving lessons and license in fucking London. Oh, yeah, that's right. And then you're one. No, you didn't do it in London. No, you did it in Eastbourne. I, I did. I had one go in London and I failed. And how I failed was we were coming up to this roundabout that the instructor never showed me. Oh, fuck, that's no good. Oh, lad, you want to see this fucking jazz roundabout? Oh, it's bad. You're coming into this thing, right? And as you're going into it, there's three lanes. And then as you join the roundabout, it turns into five lanes. And then when you turn the roundabout, there's seven lanes. Jesus Christ, lad. Oh, fuck me. I didn't know what was going on. I saw this big sign and I was like, what? So I'm on this roundabout and I have to do a full, a full loop and get down onto the motorway. And as I'm on the roundabout, someone else is on the roundabout that doesn't know what they're fucking doing. So this person is coming in, into my lane where I am. I had to jam on the brakes because they would have taken the side out of my car. You know, the, the front side of the car where the, the front quarter panel is and the bonnet, they would have just wiped the whole side of that. So I had to jam on the brakes. And after the test, yeah, your man was like, oh, how do you think you got on? I said, oh, I think I might have fucked up on that roundabout there. And he said, yeah, that's what's failed you. He said, I know you had to hit the brakes the way you did. But at the same time, it's dangerous driving and all this kind of stuff. He was coming up with all sorts of fucking excuses. But I just said, yeah, fair enough. It was something I'd never seen before. I'll take it on the fucking chin. It's a horrible feeling, but you get on with it. And then I went down to Eastbourne and Yawanda was doing the test with me that day. Sure, she was more interested in the Irish accent now than she was my driving. I could have fucking killed people. And it wouldn't have fucking bothered her at all. She passed me straight away. Not a fault. Happy days. Yeah, class, lad. It's a pity everyone couldn't get away with that sort of stuff, hey? So, we're coming to the end of this podcast. God, that was alright, wasn't it? I don't know, is it? Do people like that one? I don't know, because we're just talking about all your fucking sickness. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, we just got, we just got chatting, hey, we just kept chatting and... Yeah, we'll uh, we'll put it together and that'll be it, hey? <laughs> that's it, it's just, we're just chatting, like, that's what the podcast is for. But I just want to say to anyone out there that... Um, Wants us to talk about stuff in, in particular, like specific stuff, whether you want to talk about like robot dolls and sex dolls and diddlers and, you know, some of these are into the field. Some of these were crying out for filth after that fetish one. So um, anything you want to talk about, I'll do the research for you guys. I'll do the research. Just let us know. And if you if he's have like any any businesses you have, legal ones, of course, I'm not going to shout out your cannabis business, James, but... um. Legal ones, we'll give you a shout out, we'll try and get you some, some good customers like we've given Kevin Wallace a shout out there, he's gas man, he's some man for the power washing, Kevin Wallace, if you need your driveway washed down, or the roof of your house washed down, Kevin Wallace, he's your man, he's got a fine wand on him, Tipperary wand as well, that they're known for having a, a fair good spray out of their wand, fair play to him, fucking gas man too, fucking gas man, anyway, have you got anything you want to add in relation to the mental health? Oh, of course, yeah. It's always good to, to touch in with the, the positive mental health stuff because a lot of people are down. A lot of people are struggling with money and housing and, you know, a housing crisis is, is everywhere now. It's not just in Ireland, like. It's out here as well. There's people flying out here all the time and struggling to find places to stay and 
it's a growing problem all over the world, lads, and it puts people in really bad places in in their minds. And money is the biggest the biggest um, contributor to poor mental health. Money and relationships. So if you're struggling with money or you're worrying about money, just live within your means, lads. Don't try and overdo it. Try not to overdo it if you can. And if you're in a bad relationship that's making you feel like shite, try to get the fuck out of it. Because you'll feel much better. Like, we've all been in bad relationships. We've all been around bad people. Whether it's relationships with your family, whether it's relationships with a girlfriend or a boyfriend or a them friend, whatever it is, whatever it is, if you're not happy, you can always change it. You can always change it. And in changing it, we make you fucking happy. Won't it? That's right. That's fucking right. Anyway, we're getting towards the end here now. So, um, lads, like he said, just mind yourselves, look after yourselves. Try not to stress too much about money, uh, relationships. Just be kind to yourselves, be kind to your friends, your families, all that kind of stuff. Have a lovely day. Enjoy your couple of weeks of sunshine back there in Ireland while we enjoy it all year round here in Australia. <laughs> See you later on, lads. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.